Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network is the Intel Hub News Network. You can check them out live on the Internet at theintelhubnewsnetwork.com. Today is Tuesday, December 7th, 2010. We have a uh, great show lined up here for you today. We, we are going to continue our ongoing exploration of the methodologies of mind control right here tonight and we are going to be getting into one of the three big um, heavy guns as I call them of mind control the three biggest ways that people really uh, have their psyches manipulated and twisted by the occult dominators of this world and we're going to be discussing religion on the air today. And, of course, that's always a, a controversial topic. It's always a topic of contention. But I'm going to try to clarify some of uh, what religion really is. And it can be known what religion actually really is. People will often debate this. But when you really start to look into the esoteric meanings of religion you understand that overwhelmingly religion is really one thing and that is a form of mind control it is an occult form of binding and we're going to be exploring that deeply on today's show and probably for the next couple of weeks here on what on earth is happening uh, i want to give the call-in numbers you can call into two different networks uh we, we're simulcasting on talk show and blog talk so on my website, the show is carried through TalkShoe. On the Intel Hub, it goes out uh, over Blog Talk. You can call into TalkShoe on at this number seven two four 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 seven four four four. Once again, the call in number seven two four 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 seven four four four. The call ID number that you'll have to put in if you call that number is eight three five one five. The call ID number eight. 3515. If you choose to call in on the Blog Talk Network, you can call the number 
1-800-273-8287. I have a couple of event announcements before we get started. Um, two events coming up in the Philly area. This weekend, we are having a second fundraiser for the Free Your Mind Conference, which I will be hosting in April, along with many other great committed individuals in the Philadelphia area. So we're having a fundraiser because we, we have a lot of speakers that we need to fly in from out of town and lodge. And that can be quite expensive. So we need to raise some money for that. We did one fundraiser already, and it went pretty successfully. We raised uh, a bit, but we still have a long way to go. So I'm making an appeal to anyone in the Philadelphia area who listens to the show or who knows people who are interested in the topics of consciousness, mind control, and the occult, to please come out to the Free Your Mind Conference fundraiser number two. This weekend, Saturday, December 11th, 2010, at 8 o'clock p.m. at Liberty's Pub. Liberty's Pub is at 705 North 2nd Street. That is the corner of 2nd and Fairmount in Philadelphia. There will be a $10 donation requested at the door as part of the fundraiser. There will be a, uh, a couple of uh, raffles done there. Um, there will be music. Uh, there's an, uh, a bar there. Uh, you could order uh, food and drink. And we're going to um, probably get into discussing some of the things that will be talked about at the conference and will be maybe reading some bios for some speakers and asking people if they would be interested in perhaps sponsoring, bringing particular speakers in. So second fundraiser for Free Free Your Mind Conference coming up this weekend, Saturday, December 11th at Liberty's Pub. That's at 8 p.m. this coming Saturday. Tickets for the fundraiser will also be on sale at the, uh, I'm sorry, tickets for the conference will also be on sale at the fundraiser. So if you uh, are coming out to the fundraiser, you want to get your tickets in advance for the conference, uh, tickets will be available there. Uh, For more information, go to freeyourmindconference.com, which brings me to the second and final announcement, the conference itself, Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. A unique two-day conference set for April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia, featuring multiple speakers and diverse educational materials for the purpose of raising public awareness of the critically important topics of mass mind control techniques, the covert and subversive influences upon our consciousness and behavior, trauma-based and ritualized abuse, and the practical mental and emotional healing methodologies available for those affected by these devices. The date, Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th. The time, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., both days. Doors will open at 9 a.m., both days. This will be taking place at Ruba Hall, R-U-B-A, Ruba, Ruba Hall, at 414 Green Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19123. The admission price, $20 per day per person in advance. So in advance, the tickets are $20 per day per person. 
If you buy tickets at the door, the tickets are $30 at the door. So get your tickets in advance. We've started taking uh, ticket orders on the website. The confirmed speakers for the conference so far, Aaron McCollum, Alfred Weber, Andrew Basiago, Bob Tuscan, Farry Yurdozu, Jan Irvin, John Nicholson, Larkin Rose, Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, Mark Matika, Mark Passio, Mel Fabregas, Michael Kelly, and Suzanne Taylor. For more information on this great conference that we have scheduled here in Philadelphia coming up in April, you can visit the conference website at www.freeyourmindconference.com. I apologize, I'm a little bit stuffed up here today. Uh, bear with me. My allergies seem to be acting up a bit. So, let's see. We're going to talk about religion here today, and I want to set this up with uh, several things. The first thing I'd like to do is read a quote that really encapsulates exactly how I feel about religion. So, right off the bat, let's set out to offend anyone with religious sensibilities, okay? Because if you're easily offended when it comes to this topic, you might as well just turn off the show right now and stop listening, because I'm going to break down all of the lies, all of the deceptions, all of the misinterpretations, the dissembling, the um, hiding of critical information that is everything that has been perpetuated and perpetrated by mainstream religions, their doctrines and their dogma over thousands of years of human history. And to start with, I want to read a quote by one of the founders of this country, I think he's philosophically probably um, the most enlightened of the founding fathers of America, and this is Thomas Paine. He's an, an influence philosophically of mine, and I think that while none of the founding fathers particularly were what I would say completely enlightened, what I would call completely enlightened, I think Thomas Paine had the best understanding of true human freedom than any of the founders. And if you read his writings, that kind of will make itself pretty self-evident. He made a statement regarding religion that I open up this section with in my presentation when I give, this, uh, when I give my What on Earth is Happening presentation live. And here it is. He said, I do not believe in the creed professed by the Jewish church, by the Roman church, by the Greek church, by the Turkish church, by the Protestant church, nor by any church that I know of. My own mind is my own church. All national institutions of churches, whether Jewish, Christian, or Turkish, appear to me no other than human inventions set up to terrify and enslave mankind and monopolize power 
and profit. And that is exactly how I feel about religion. I want to say something before I dive into this. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> One of the things that led me into a very dark path in life when I was younger. One of the things that turned me, I guess what you could say, into a pretty hateful human being and one who began to align himself with the dominators that I am attempting to expose now. One of those things, one of those factors was religion and my hatred for it when I started to understand that it was a lie. And sadly, I did not have enough knowledge of what religion really was back then. If I did, maybe I would not have gone down that dark path. But, you know, hindsight, as they say, is twenty twenty, And I look back on it and think, it's probably better off that I did go down that left-hand path of the dark occult because it led me to see exactly what did, what was lurking in the corridors of power of this world and helped me to gain a perspective on the mindset of the dark occultists, the dominators, the sorcerers of the world, if you will, the people who essentially institute these systems of mind control and are attempting to slay, enslave the entire human population. So, would I take it back? Probably not. However, what I'm just trying to illustrate is things can happen to people that set them off on particular paths in life because they lack certain levels of awareness. And had I known about some of the things we're going to talk about when we begin breaking down religion, perhaps my life would have ended up in a completely uh, different, uh, you know, different way. Different things would have unfolded for me, and I may not have needed to suffer to the extent that I did to come to this understanding that I am at now. And one of those things is astrotheology. And that's the thing uh, that we're going to be discussing today, or be at least beginning to get into today. But before we do that, I'd like to talk about the word religion itself. As I've re-emphasized over and over again on this show, the world is essentially controlled through words. If we don't understand the language and the power that the language has over the human psyche and to influence the human psyche, we're going to understand very little. And right here, I'm going to open up a topic that is endlessly debated, and I'm, I'm quite frankly tired of the debate over this. I'm tired of hearing people say that what I'm about to tell you is not the case because it absolutely 100% is the case. The etymology of the word religion. If you look in a standard etymological dictionary, 
they are not telling you the correct etymology of the word religion. And I don't care what language expert, linguistics expert, ancient languages expert, etymological expert you talk to. I'll tell them to their face that they're wrong. Okay? People are insistent when you bring this up that the etymology of the word religion comes from the word in Latin to read. Okay? Lego, legere. It does not come from that root. Do you say the word religion? Is that how you pronounce it? Is there an E after the L in religion or is there an I after it? Of course there's an I after it. Religion, the word, is derived from the Latin verb religare. The root is ligo legare, okay, which, which means to tie, to bind, to fasten, okay, as in to take a rope and to tie up, all right? So when we add the prefix, prefix re in front of it in Latin, it means to tie back or to bind back, okay? Re means back or again in Latin, to redo something, okay? Back, to go back and do it again. So when we put these two roots together, re, ligare, it means to tie back or to hold back, okay? That's what the origin of the word religion is. It does not mean to re-read, okay? This is nonsense. It's ridiculous. If you just think about it, it's ridiculous, okay? I mean, I don't know where people get that from, that etymology, but it's wrong. The etymology of the word religion means to tie back. So, essentially, what religion is, right in the word. See, the words will always tell us if we understand their constituent elements and we understand where those words are derived from. Often, the very meaning of a thing is embedded right in the word for that thing. So religion is something that is tying us back, holding back, thwarting, or binding it is a binding so a binding essentially means shackles it means chains okay it's another term for slavery and it is indeed slavery over the mind <clears throat> when we were breaking down certain words like government. We saw that government is derived from governa or gubernare. Okay? Gubernare, gubernare. In Latin means to control. Mente, the second part of the word government, means mind in Latin. So government is the other part of the binding of the mind. The two major sources of mind control, government and religion. One form, namely government, is a left-brained form of control. 
Okay? This binds the right mind, the right hemisphere of the brain, which is intuitive and nurturing and creative and has compassion for what one does to other living beings. So government is the control, strong-arm aspect of this dual-edged system of control that work hand-in-hand. There never has been any such thing as separation of church and state. These two principles work hand-in-hand together. And anybody that tells you otherwise is lying to you and deliberately trying to deceive you into thinking that religion is something that it is not, okay? And I'm talking about organized world religions, okay? I'm not talking about getting in touch with your own spirituality and working that out in a one-to-one, on a one-to-one basis with what you perceive as the creator. That's not what we're talking about here. This is completely different from spirituality, which is an internal process. I'm talking about external, worldly, institutional religion. Let's make that very clear from the get-go before we go into, you know, any further to let people understand exactly what I'm talking about here. So you don't start thinking that I mean something that I don't. Government is the form of mind control that works through the left brain, Okay, which is the purely logical, linear, time-bound, physical world is all there is aspect of the brain. Okay, It's a control system, and it binds or controls the right hemisphere of the brain. It ties that out of the way. Okay, So government is working through the left brain, and it's helping to shut down the right hemisphere of the brain. And just look at the ridiculous, officious bureaucrats in government to understand that they don't have a developed right brain. They don't have a developed neocortex at all. Their neocortex uh, looks like uh, the cratering on the moon if you scanned it, okay? There's very little, if any, neural activity taking place there in most government officials. They have a diseased mind, and that means a diseased brain, But essentially, the part of the brain that's really the weakest is the right brain hemisphere, the creative, nurturing, intuitive, and compassionate side of the mind. So government is binding upon the right brain hemisphere or the right mind. Religion, on the other hand, is the opposite form of psychological binding. This form of psychological chaining or binding or slavery works through the right mind, the more spiritually oriented center of the brain, okay, side of the brain. When this part of the brain is overly active, chronically, all right, the left hemisphere is not being actively engaged. So you're not using these two hemispheres of the brain in unison or conjunction with each other. And therefore, the logical and physical aspects of human thought are being actively suppressed. So the the right spiritual side of the brain kind of goes haywire. It takes over and dominates, all right? And there's more of an emphasis upon otherworldly things. 
other dimensions of existence, an afterlife, etc., etc. Take the focus off of this world and what we're what we are here to be doing. That's not important. What's important is what comes after this life. Okay? Just as in a left brain imbalanced person that has a left brain dominant aspect to them, this world is all there is. And that's all that's of any importance. And there is no such thing as anything uh, survival of consciousness after physical death. Matter is all that has any significance. Spirit is insignificant or non-existent. Both of these things are complete garbage nonsense that should be thoroughly renounced and rejected from any holistically intelligent human being that has the ability to think critically in a holistic and balanced way. You will see that both of these things are forms of control. They're methods for control, and they are there to destabilize the human population toward one brain hemisphere or another. Because what the force that has created both of these things wants to do is to polarize the world and create members of society that act as masters or dominators, control freaks, and the other half has a completely right-brain imbalanced aspect aspect of consciousness, and they'll bow down and accept their slavery. So religion is good for that side of things, to get people to not play an active role. It, see, it, it cripples the male principle, the active principle. How many so-called Christians out there okay, are actively, uh, you know, who are really deep fundamentalist Christians are really seeing all of the uh, dominator aspects of what's going on in the world and really actively trying to do something about it. Religionists, you don't see many of them doing that. They say, oh, it's in God's hands, and what happens in this world isn't important. BS, okay? Absolute nonsense. This is a form of right-brain imbalance, just like the New Age movement. These two things go hand-in-hand with each other because that's just another religion. And we've talked about the New Age movement when we talked about controlled opposition many weeks ago. These people are people who think that they're going to meditate their way out of slavery. Good luck with that, okay? They're not actually taking any real action in the world. They're just thinking that they're going to think that the world will be a different way, and then magically it's going to happen. And it doesn't work like that, folks. It doesn't work like that. You can think all you want about a better world. That's the beginning of the process. But until you actually care enough and develop the courage enough to take moral action in the world to change things, it's not going to happen on its own. Okay? That's not how the law of attraction works. And anybody that tells you that that's how it works is a deceiver. They're a deceiver. So understanding that these two forms of control, government and religion, go to work on two different hemispheres of the brain is the first step toward understanding why they need to have people polarized like this and why they want to 
get as many believers in different religious dogmas as they possibly can. This is a very deliberate effort and a calculated one. The religions are set up to polarize people against each other. We talked about that when we talked about the mind control technique known as divide and conquer. Okay, Polarize people based on any perceived differences. And perceived differences are entrenched in the polarity of fear. This is fear-based consciousness. People fear, tend to fear that which is different from them. And a culture and a set of beliefs that are completely different from what they believe in and how they live. And again, let's talk about the word belief a little bit when it comes to religion. All right? We talk, I talked about this last week when I did the presentation on natural law, which I felt w- went very well, and I think it was one of the most valuable shows that i put out over, over the air so far. Got a lot of good feedback on it, and uh, I think people got a lot out of it. That was show number 36. Again, you can always go right up to my website at whatonearthishappening.com and check out the podcast page. And um, uh, that's show number 36 where I did my presentation on natural law live on the air. Um, But belief, we talked about last week during that presentation. And like the law of gravity, okay, natural law requires no belief. As when it comes to religion, belief is always required. These are dogmatic ideologies. They're not philosophies based on principles, which are based in truths. Okay? These are beliefs, and their foundation lies in dogma. And we talked about this last week during the presentation on natural law as well. You can believe or disbelieve in the law of gravity, you are bound by it anyway. Under natural law, binding conditions that are true and immutable, meaning they cannot be changed and it doesn't matter whether you believe in them or not. As long as you're in this dimension of existence, you're affected by them. These laws are in effect, period, the end. When it comes to religion, people always talk about whether you believe in it or not. So right in the word belief, and I've touched on this before, we'll get into it a little bit more as we go through religion, we have this prefix B-E-L, and this will come up over and over again because this name, Bel, is one of the gods of the ancient worlds of the ancient world, okay? One of the gods of the cultures of the ancient world. Bel, it's a Phoenician sun god. And it encapsulates, this god Bel, or Baal, or Bill, okay? Encapsulates the dark aspect of the sun. It's a symbol. It is kind of synonymous with other sun gods and other Gods that represent the bringers of light. So it's similar to Lucifer in one aspect. It's similar to um, Set in the Egyptian tradition, the setting sun. All right, and we'll talk about some of the names of these gods as we go on. 
and we'll break down different traditions. We'll look at the Egyptian tradition, the Babylonian tradition, the Phoenician Canaan tradition, when it comes to the religious practices and beliefs that uh, shape the modern foundations of religious thought and dogma. Now, dogma is connected with the idea of belief. Dogma is unchallenged belief. So that's very critical. You can believe in something and you can constantly challenge a belief. And again, there are some good beliefs. Not all beliefs are bad. Like, I think you need to believe that you can be effective and help to create positive change in the world before you go ahead and do it. You need to have that belief. You have to believe that you can come to know the truth. Otherwise, you'll never set off on the journey to truth. We talked about that day one on this show. That's the only belief that's really kind of required. You want to go off on a journey to learn the truth, you kind of have to, in your, in your initial state of ignorance, have to become uh, aware you do not know, and then you have to believe that there's something out there that you can find, because you don't know it then. If you don't have that belief initially and then act upon it, you're going to stay ignorant. So belief in and of itself isn't bad. What I'm trying to emphasize here is that when it comes to particularly natural law, belief is irrelevant, okay? When it comes to principles that exist in nature that are there that you're not capable of changing, that you need to recognize, you need to discover that they are in operation and then try to come into accordance with them and understand how they work. You need to understand how they work first really to come into accordance with them. If you're going to do it in any way that... uh, doesn't create unimaginable amounts of suffering. Belief is irrelevant to all of that. You either learn it or you do not. You know it or you do not. But belief plays a big role in religion. And we have billions of believers in the world. Not seekers after truth, but just people who believe that which has been put out. So... On day one of this show, I also said, don't believe what I say on this show. That would be disastrous. That would be disastrous. I want people to look into things for themselves, to do research on their own. You can verify some of the things I talk about on the show if you go off and search for that knowledge on your own. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm not an authority on anything. I'm a seeker after truth, and I put the information that I have acquired in my journey out back out into the world for other people's considerations, and they can make up their own mind about it. There are certain things I will state are true, that I have discovered are truths, and one of those truths is religion is a form of mind control, and it does work through something known as astrotheology particularly the three big religions of the world, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And we're going to break down particularly Christianity. This is the most blatant forms of astrotheological belief-based dogma in the world. But we'll also take a look at 
Judaism and its connections to astrotheology, as well as Islam and its connections to astrotheology. So, dogma, unchallenged belief. This is the worst kind of belief because it's an entrenched, it becomes an entrenched meme. Okay, this becomes a pattern of thought that is enrooted. It, it grows deep roots into the psyche of an entire population, and then it kind of just runs on its own. It's a self-perpetuating mechanism of thought, and that's what dogma is set up to do, to make a system that inherently protects itself by having people just deeply believing in it and never actually challenging the fundamental basis upon which those beliefs are based. And they often do this by occulting the original sources that the religion was derived from and changed from. So we'll be talking about those. And that's what we really need to get down to, the mystery traditions, to understand what religion in the modern world really is. Because then we'll be hitting the esoteric side of things. And after the break, I hear the music coming up. We'll talk about the distinction between the exoteric and the esoteric. I'm Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back after these words. Hello, Mark Passio and the Talk Shoe Network. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, Bob. How are you, man? I'm feeling a little bit under the weather tonight, but I'm trying to hang in there. Yeah, I hear you. You're trying to get through the show. Um, and folks uh, who are listening on, on the talk show stream via uh, Mark's website, whatonearthishappening.com, I hope you realize that uh, not every day that we do this, we have a 100% on day. We have to realize that we're all humans and we're doing what we can. So people should not you know, get too caught up on the semantics is what I'm trying to say and try to focus on the ideas and continue to support guys like you so that uh, you can continue to present such great information. So rather than play the Intel Hub News commercials, I wanted to mention that uh, I'll be coming up there to speak at the Free Your Mind conference and that people should support, make a donation to Mark Passio, whatonearthishappening.com if they want to do something helpful in this holiday season. Um, and I know Mark would appreciate it and all of the people involved We're trying to get the info out would use this money, these Federal Reserve notes that we can't stand, but unfortunately we have to live with, to get out the word on such serious topics like mind control. And mind control is so prevalent in the world today, it's amazing. Bob, if, if, uh, just to mention, if anybody wants to make a donation to the conference, all they need to do is go up to the conference website at freeyourmindconference.com click on the make a donation link and then there's simply an email address there that's all it really is the email address would come to me and some of the other organizers okay it's um donations at freeyourmindconference.com you send an email there and i i can give people instructions on how to make a donation from that email and um every penny of it would go toward 
uh, bringing in speakers, promotional materials for the conference, printing up educational materials for the conference. Um, there is no profit to be made in this. Uh, it, it, you know, hopefully we'll break Except even. Except the profit of waking people up. That's Except right. the profit of getting the word out. All right, Mark, I didn't mean to hog your, your break time here. Hey, that's um, all right, Bob. I'll let you get back to your show. We'll come back to the Any Thanks time, so man. I, I thank you for uh, bringing that up. And uh, I, I know that, um, you know, you're trying to get the word out as well. And uh, we appreciate your efforts, man. All right. Thanks so much. Stand by. You got it. Okay. We're back after the break there on, on uh, Intel Hub News Network. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We were talking about religion, and we were talking about how um, when knowledge becomes occulted or taken out of circulation from the general population, how it can be kind of used against them as a weapon and a form of mind control, because a select few will have access... A select few will have access to that information while it is hidden from the rest. And if this is particularly aspects, uh, information that contains uh, knowledge about aspects of the human psyche and the human consciousness, then that information can be distorted and twisted and then made into a weapon of sorts to be wielded by people who don't have other people's best interests uh, at heart. So... We, I was beginning to talk about the distinction between what is known as exoteric information, and I'll spell this, okay? Exoteric is E-X-O-T-E-R-I-C, exoteric. Exoteric information versus esoteric information, okay? Esoteric is E-S-O-T-E-R-I-C, okay? Exoteric versus esoteric. So what is the distinction between these two terms? All right, what do they mean when we talk about, we're talking about this in the exoteric sense versus we're talking about this in the esoteric sense? And what I said before the break was, we need to break past the exoteric aspects of religion and get down underneath to the hidden esoteric meanings of it. Okay? So, what do these two terms mean? Let's explore them. Okay? So, exoteric means relating to the outside world. External. Okay? It means outside. It's actually derived from a Greek word that means outside. Okay? Now, this is very important. This, is, this distinction is critically important when it comes to understanding what is being set up when it comes to religion, what has been set up when it comes to religion, okay? Because believers in religions, in the dogmas of religions, you will note if you open your eyes and pay attention, if you're not one of those deep believers, that they are always looking outside. Their gaze does not wish to be turned inward. They don't wish their gaze to be turned inward upon the self. The self, they don't focus upon. They don't concentrate upon knowing the deep aspects of the self. They are looking outward for something. 
a force that exists outside of themselves that may, you know, rush in and act as a savior and free us from our own immoral actions that we've put into place in the world collectively to build the prison walls that we've built up all around us. Again, I'm speaking figuratively here, but you know, when somebody like Alex Jones talks about the prison planet, he's very accurate in that assessment. That's what this has become. And it has become a prison for the mind, as is talked about in the movie The Matrix. You know? Again, when we talk about the exoteric, we mean outside of oneself. The outside world, external. But more specifically, what the word exoteric means is popular among the general public. So something that is exoteric is known by the public. It is in specifically intended for the general public. And it is more likely to be understood by the general public if it is exoteric. Okay? So Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Okay? The Lamb of God. Right? Savior of the world. Son of God. This is exoteric. All right? It is generally understood. That's something that the, the general population has heard and will at least understand some of the aspects that are at least taught about by the mainstream religions when it comes to particular, per, particular beliefs or uh, dogma. On the other hand, esoteric, okay, uh, and by the way, uh, exoteric is derived from uh, the Greek word exoterikos, which means outer. Okay? It means outside. So that's where that word comes from. Esoteric, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. It means from within. Okay? Inside. It comes from the Greek esoterikos, which means within. Okay? What esoteric principles are all about are things which are intended for a small group of people that is separate or sequestered from the population, from the general population. This is a, a reserved group, okay? It's a secret club. Esoteric means reserved for the initiated, for those who have been shown the inward, okay? They're, they're telling everybody else, look, at, look outside there, look over there, and then they're taking something and bringing it over here and saying, this is for us, and we'll look at this deeply 
inside of it, to go deeply within it. Esoteric. Intended for a, a, a small number of people with specialized knowledge or interest. Okay? Likely to be understood by only a small number of people. In other words, when you get past the exoteric, that which is on the outside, the shell or the wall that needs to be broken through to get down to the core mystery tradition that lies beneath it, once you break past the, es- the exoteric, you get down to that core, which is the real mystery, and that is the esoteric. And that has been hidden from the general population. It has been occulted from the general population. So... What we want to do is we want to first start looking at some of the exoteric belief systems of religions, the outward traditions that are put out there for the masses of people. That's the exoteric. What we want to do by looking at this The reason we're going to look at the shell first is to understand why the shell has been set up there to hide that core, okay? The the very core is the truth. I see, I I have this concept that I call the, the dartboard of truth, okay? And what we really want to go after is the bull's eye, okay? And this is very symbolic as well. A dartboard is extreme symbolism. This is Stargate symbolism. And the name as well, bull's eye. Again, you hear, you hear that phonetic variant, B-L, bull, coming up over and over. Bell, bell, bill, bull. We'll see how that plays a role when we start to get into the symbolism and gods of various religions. I'll have a picture on the site in the related images section from my presentation that I call the dartboard of, of truth. Okay, It shows how the exoteric is the religions and their dogmas. Then you get deeper toward the center of the dartboard, okay? So you're on the outside edge of the dartboard. You know, the values are less out there, okay? You hit it way on the outside, okay? I shouldn't say the values are less. I should say there are more people out there, okay? There's, it's a bigger area, okay? So you're, you're not approaching the center that has a very, very small area to hit, but that's where the value actually is in the dead center of the board, and that represents truth, okay? So that this centering that is within represents truth. On the outside, you have a much bigger area, 
and that's where most people are at. Okay, that's where most of their mindset is at, and their belief systems lie within the exoteric or outward shell. Okay, when you get in closer toward the center, that's where the mystical traditions come into play, and those are esoteric traditions. They are reserved for initiates, a smaller group of people. It represents a smaller area. You look at um, the image that I'll put on the, uh, the podcast page, you'll see if you look at the bottom of each of the sections of this dartboard, okay, you'll just imagine each one like a pyramid, okay? You have a wide base, and that represents the majority of the people holding up that structure, and then as you go up, it's a smaller, you know, it inclines on both sides, and so you have a smaller group in the mystical traditions, and then there's a very few who go all the way to the top of the mountain, so to speak, for the core principles that lie at the heart of the matter, which represent which represents truth. So what I will say to, to caveat my entire um, presenting of the topic of religion is that at the center of any of these traditions, there is a core, a core foundation that is based in the principles of truth, which I have talked about when I gave the natural law presentation last week. Sadly, it is such a small center, and it is so buried by the exoteric garbage that has been layered over top of it and continued to be heaped and piled upon it over thousands of years, that very few people can see those core principle uh, principled traditions that lie at the foundations of most religions. But they are there. They are there. The problem is, like any other control structure, religion has been institutionalized, and its main goal is not to teach truth, but to preserve itself as an institution, no matter what the cost. Truth be damned. You know, if the cost is the truth, uh, at, at the uh, expense of the survival of this religious dogma, well, truth be damned, throw that out the window. We're going to keep the exoteric cover stories that control the minds of the masses of people and fill our collection plates. See how that works? Okay? And that's essentially where we're at today when it comes to this. So that's... It is critical to keep in mind that distinction, okay? Exoteric, reserved for the, the masses, okay? It's given to the masses as a cover story or an explanation. Most people stop there. That keeps them quiet after, you know, you answer, uh, you know, you give them some silly answer for some pesky question that they, they've asked, and they accept it. That's good enough for them. But the, the esoteric, that's reserved for a much smaller select group of people. And then, you know, if, if you continue to press even past that, you'll get down to the very seed or foundational principles upon which truth uh, really I I I exists, okay? So let's, um, let's start to look at 
what most religions in the modern world really are. Okay? And to do this, we have to introduce the concept of astrotheology. Astrotheology is spelled A S T R O T H E O L O G Y. Astrotheology. I would invite everyone to look up the term if you're not already familiar with it and research this as deeply as you can. There are some great books on it. I'll post some uh, documents in the related section on the podcast uh, page with this podcast. It'll be podcast number 37. (laughs) And... um, Maybe I can link to some uh, full books. I'll, I'll try to find a couple, maybe on Scribe or something like that, to um, to link to to give people a little bit better of an understanding when it comes to astrotheology. But I'll uh, do my best to break this down on the show tonight by just basically let's look at the word first, okay? So if we look at the roots of astrotheology, as far as the word goes, we have astro. And this comes from the Latin astra, which means star. Okay? Astra means star. Then theos, that's Greek. Okay? And that um, means God. Okay? Theos, the divine, God. Then you have logos, L-O-G-Y, logos that comes from in Greek. And that means word. Okay? So, the word of God in the stars. That's what astrotheology means. And indeed, we call the stars the heavens, the concept of heaven. Okay? When we say, where is God? People point up most of the time. They don't point inward. They point outward. See how this works, folks? It's so simple, it's almost silly. They've gotten people through astrotheology to equate God with being something that is outside of themselves. Okay? Not something that is within, as the words of uh, the teacher attributed uh, to the words of Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is within. Religious dogma would have people believe that God is completely outside of this world, completely outside of themselves, and uh, have them looking outward as opposed to looking inward. I often say to people who are involved in different religious traditions, uh, particularly Christianity, namely because that is the uh, religion that I grew up in, which was tried tried to uh, be, be foisted onto me when I was young, and which most of my family members still adhere to and are held under the thumb of. And when I say, when you go to church on Sunday, uh, do they ever mention even once ever the word consciousness? Have you ever even heard that term uttered in a Christian church? Because I haven't. 
I've never heard that word uttered in a Roman Catholic church, a Protestant church, a Greek Orthodox church. I've been to a lot of Christian churches for different ceremonies and masses over the course of my life. And I'll tell you one thing that they have all have in common, regardless of what rituals they perform or what little different idiosyncrasies that they believe in. Not one of them has ever, to, to my knowledge, even uttered the word consciousness one time within its walls. Not one priest, not one deacon, not one brother, nothing, ever. I have never heard from the pulpit or from the altar of any Christian church, the word consciousness spoken in my life. Have you, has anyone that you know, heard that term spoken in a church? I'd be interested. If you do call in, we're, we're past the top of the hour. I'll give the call-in numbers again, okay? Two call-in numbers. The first one, 724 444 7444. Once again, the call in number 724 The call ID number 83515. Okay? If you're going to call into a blog talk through Intel Hub, okay, that's that number, that call in number is 646 727 3387. Once again, 646 727 3387. Um, going back to the topic of astrotheology, we're, we're seeing the breakdown of the word. It comes from the stars, okay? God, word, stars, okay? That's, that's the, the actual etymological origins of the word astrotheology, the word of God and the stars, okay? And when I say this, I don't mean it figuratively. This is a literal interpretation of the gods in the heavens. I apologize again, folks. No, uh, you can hear that I'm pretty stuffed up on the air. Been having a, uh, a rough day uh, with my sinuses today. So, again, please bear with me. Um, hopefully the uh, value of the information will override, um, you know, how it's sounding, but uh, astrotheology. When we talk about astrotheology, what we really mean is equating the divine with the bodies that are in space. I'll say that again. Astrotheology means the equating of divinity or God. Okay, or gods, plural, with the bodies of the heavens, of space. That means you are making the heavenly bodies, the physical heavenly bodies that exist in space, to be God. Okay? That means they're essentially from Earth, as viewed from this planet, three different types of heavenly bodies that we can see in the sky at any given time. So it's very intuitive and obvious to anyone that just stops and sits for a moment and thinks about that statement. 
there are three essential bodies that can be seen, types of lights, in other words, that can be seen in the sky at any given time from Earth. And they are the sun, of course, that's the most obvious thing in the heavens, okay? The moon, which is easier seen at night, but it can be seen during the day as well, prominently. These are the two biggest objects in the heavens, the sun and the moon. And then we have all the smaller lights in the heavens, the smaller pinpoints of lights. We call these the stars. These are distant suns, like the sun that our Earth revolves around. So, the three bodies of the heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, in the subcategory of the smaller lights, so we have the two greater lights, the sun and the moon, then we have the category of the lesser lights or the small lights of the heavens. Okay? The stars and we can include the planets in that. Okay? Because these are also very distant from the Earth. They're in our solar system, so they move in a different trajectory as do the sun, the moon, and the other stars. However, we um, recognize that they are closer. In the recognition that they are closer, we understand why they move uh, differently than the uh, stars as seen from the Earth because they are much closer to us than are the stars. They're in our solar system. They, like the Earth, they revolve around our sun. Therefore, nonetheless, they are still quite distant from us and they appear as small points of light in the heavens. Venus being the brightest of these, Jupiter also being quite bright, Mars, depending on how uh, close it is uh, in its orbit, can be very bright in the heavens as well. Venus is the brightest object in the sky other than the sun and the moon, as seen from Earth. So, <coughs> we have the sun, the moon, and the stars and planets. We'll, we'll look at that as one grouping, okay? The two greater lights and then the lesser lights. These are what are known as the three astro theological sects, S-E-C-T-S, sects, like a group, okay? The three astrotheological sects, some people call them the astrotheological cults, and they are derived from beliefs and traditions of the ancient world, but they come down to us in the modern world as the three major religions, and we'll talk about each one of those in turn. So, we have the, the sun, or what is known as the solar cult, okay, or the solar sect. Now, astrotheology, in your research, you may come across the term that it is often equated with. You may come across the term astro-mythology, 
This is essentially the same thing. But moreover, what astro-mythology is about is the stories and the traditions and the beliefs that come down through astrotheology. Okay? The astrotheology is, I would say, the root of astro-mythology because it is equating the divine force or the cre- creative power of the universe with the actual physical matter of the universe. Okay? And this is another thing that kind of makes this a form of mind control. In the exoteric sense, what is being equated is matter as power, not spirit as power, not the underlying creative force, but when we equate the divine force with the actual physical matter, okay, it is not equated with spirit. It is not equated with the animating spirit, but with the actual objects itself. This is like time-bound consciousness. We talked about time a couple weeks back as how it uh, controls the mind is because we look at it as a physical quantity, okay? And we talk about time being money and not having enough time, okay? Things like that. And how time is based upon the movement, the repetitive cyclical movement of these very objects that we're talking about here. Thus, equating time to materialistic principles, namely the movement of physical matter. It's sort of a heady concept, but you have to understand that's how the subconscious mind relates things, okay? It takes one thing and it relates it to another, and it does that in real time. You don't need to understand all the intricacies of how that works at a conscious level for it to be working at a subconscious level. That's the key. A lot of this, these um, relationships and representations symbolically are working at a subconscious level. That until you understand the actual traditions of, uh, in, this, in the sense of astrotheology, okay, and how they work and how their symbolism works through astrotheology, you're not going to bring this to the conscious level. And that's what I could not seem to do on my own when I was young to get out of my hatred for the lies and misrepresentations of religion. And therefore, I chose a very dark path. Uh, you know, I said, well, I'll show them. I'll go down the opposite path and got involved in Satanism and dark occultism and Luciferianism. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, as they say. I wish that I would have uh, been introduced at a very young age to the works of someone like Manly P. Hall or Jordan Maxwell or um, uh, perhaps um, Albert Churchward or other great authors who have uh, talked about astrotheology and astromythology and explained it so uh, precisely and clearly that to anyone who studies this, even for a short amount of time, you will, it will really open your eyes as to what religion really is in, a short, in short order. And again, I will try to link to some of those documents and books if I can. <laughs> oh, sorry again, folks. Trying to uh, grin and bear it, as they say. Um, I'm going to go have a hot cup of tea and rest a little after the show. 
But um, continuing on, um, let's begin to look at one of these astrotheological sects, okay? Let's look at the solar cult, the cult of astrotheology that is based upon the sun. Now, we talked about when we were uh, discussing the time section on the site, uh, on the show, we talked about the days of the week and how they were divided into seven groupings because they were each given to the major lights of the heavens, okay? The sun and the moon, and then to the naked eye, five additional planets can be seen from the earth, okay? We can see Mercury with the naked eye, we can see Venus with the naked eye, we can see Mars with the naked eye, we can see Jupiter with the naked eye, and we can see Saturn with the naked eye. Those five are the other planets in our solar system that can be observed without the use, use of optics or a telescope. Um, also in our solar system beyond Saturn, there is uh, uh, Uranus and then Neptune and uh, Pluto was, I think, uh, designated a planetoid and now I believe it has been re-elevated to a status of a planet officially. Regardless of how you look at Pluto, we have either eight or nine planets in our solar system, including the Earth. The Earth is counted in giving each one of these uh, days to the week because, you know, the day itself is defined as the rotation of the Earth on its polar axis, one complete uh, um, rotation. So each day is then given to one of these quote-unquote gods of the heavens, the planets, the sun, and the moon. Sun day is the sun's. Mun day is the moon's. Tuesday belongs to Mars. It's Mardi in the French language. Tues, T-I-W-S, is a Norse god that was also equated with Mars. Wednesday, okay, is Mercredi in French. That is Mercury's day. Then you have Thursday. That is Thor's day in the Norse tradition associated with the planet Jupiter. In French, it's Jeudi, Jupiter. Okay. Friday is Freya in the Norse tradition. That is Venus's day. That is, uh, Freya is the goddess, okay, as is Venus in the Roman tradition. And then, of course, Saturday is Saturn's day. Farthest out from, farthest out from the sun. That can be seen with the naked eye. So... <laughs> We saw that in the giving of these three days, we have um, the, the three days that are given to each one of the religions, the major religions of the world, being Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. We see that the weekend is reserved for Christ, uh, um, the weekend is reserved for Judaism and Christianity the Judeo-Christian tradition. The Sabbath of Judaism is celebrated from sundown on Friday to 
sundown on Saturday. So that is traditionally looked at as Saturday or Saturn's day. The Judaic religion is a Saturnian-based religion at its roots. Sunday is given to the solar cult. It is called the sun's day, sun day, right in the word. Okay, And indeed, the solar cult religion in the modern world is Christianity, and their day of worship or their Sabbath is Sunday. The Islamic tradition, its Sabbath is on Friday, and we saw, we, I briefly talked about this in the uh, Time podcast, the first one, I believe, that um, the Islamic religion is based upon the feminine principle, which is the goddess, uh, in her dark aspect as the galaxy. So, this is... Um, traditionally looked at as Isis or Mott or uh, in, in the Roman tradition, the goddess's name was Venus. Again, her day is Friday. That's Vendredi in the French religion. And uh, that is the day of worship of Islam. So Islam is Friday or it's Sabbath. The a Sabbath of Sabbath of um, Judaism is Saturn day because it is Saturnian, Saturnalian, okay? And Sunday is the day reserved for the sun god or the son of God, which is Christianity's day of worship. Let's begin to look at that tradition. And I will probably... Uh, take the rest of this show to look at the Christian tradition and maybe some of the next show and we'll continue to break down different traditions in the form of astrotheology. So I'll tell you what a, uh, another great source for some of this information is. Um, he opened my eyes to a lot as well. Uh, Bill Cooper, William Cooper, he has a phenomenal 40 42-part um, series from the Hour of Our Time, which was Bill Cooper's radio show that he did back in the 90s before he was murdered by assassins of the state, by, by house slaves of the uh, criminal government that we have. Uh, I'll talk about that when we come back after the break. I'll let you know about William Cooper's uh, great series, podcast series. We'll be right back. Hey, Mark. I uh, hope you're feeling uh, all right and you're, you're making it through the show. I'm enjoying the broadcast. Great. I wanted to let you know um, that we have a caller on the blog talk line. Great. I didn't know if you were taking calls or not. Let's uh, let's bring them on. I, I'll just I'll bring up the uh, William Cooper thing, and uh, after that, uh, we can bring him on before I start breaking down Christianity. Bob, I'm going to run upstairs and grab a drink real quick uh, because I ran out of water here, and I want to uh, you know stay hydrated and um, uh, just take take a break real quick. So I'm, I'll run up there and I'll be down in like 30 seconds. No problem. Uh, we're going to go to the Intel Hub News Network commercials on your talk show in that case. Um, at the New World Order. 
together, we are always one. Together, we are in battle soldiers. The battle for free humanity ensues. Join us in the fight. Did you ever wish that you could have done something while you still had the chance? What will you do if your income ends tomorrow? Or do you lose your home as many already have? Do you have enough money to survive through an economic depression? If you don't want to gamble with your future, then FreeToProsper.com can help you quickly end your debt problems, protect your property and possessions, and develop a personal strategy to get you through the hard times. Most importantly, you get to keep your money and not pay another cent to creditors. Our program is often superior to bankruptcy, consolidation, or settlement. Visit FreeToProsper.com to find out more. This is your real chance to act ahead, so don't delay. Your future may depend on it. Call 718-615-0123 to learn more. That's 718-615-0123. Or visit FreeToProsper.com today. The Intel Hub Radio Show, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Oracle Broadcasting, and also simulcast on the Intel Hub News Network. We'll continue to work together to achieve peace. That's what we want, freedom and peace. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network, crushing the New York Order piece by piece. Welcome back to What on Earth is Happening? Okay, welcome back, everyone. We're back from the break on the Intel Hub. I'm your host, Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening, my website, whatonearthishappening.com, the network, theintelhubnewsnetwork.com. Before the break, I was uh, briefly mentioning some of the work of uh, William Cooper. Uh, he was, I think he was brilliant. I think he was a uh, very courageous person. Uh, and sadly, agents of the state murdered him and... Uh, you know, he kind of paid the ultimate price for being a pioneer and getting some of this truth out there to the general population. So he has a great series uh, of podcasts out there. You can uh, do a search for them and find them easy, easily enough called Mystery Babylon. And it, it breaks down some of the uh, beliefs of the mystery traditions that go back into the ancient world. And this is a 42-part uh podcast series and it's worth every minute uh it helped like i said open my eyes to a lot of things um i have given it to many people and uh uh it really really delves deeply into astro theology so um before we get back to uh talking about astro theology uh, i was informed by bob during the break there that we have a caller on the line so let's take that call right now so caller 
You are on what on earth is happening. What do you have for us? I did greetings to the beautiful city of Philadelphia. Mark, at one stage I called it Pittsburgh, and I apologize. Your beautiful city of brotherly love. Mark, it is Bob from the small hamlet of Cincinnati. Bob, always a pleasure to hear from you. I'm so happy to speak to you again, Mark. Mark, um, to touch on what you're what you're working on tonight, um, I have a question. I have gathered some information that perhaps this well-funded, well-oiled, very quickly marketed, uh, not not quickly, but very uh, cleverly marketed, and also uh, completely saturated the substream, the docu attainment docu film. Zeitgeist. Okay. Now, I know I'm going to step on a lot of people's nerves and upset a lot of people, Mark, but uh, if if one examines it, it appears that maybe Zeitgeist, uh, like, you were, like your phrase, the cul-de-sac before the gold mine, it delves deeply into astrotheology and these hidden truths that we're so eager to grasp onto, but I think uh, maybe, and I may be wrong, Mark, it's just my opinion, but maybe it is a clever cul-de-sac before the gold mine, diverting our attention at the moment of truth with the end message of the movie. Your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, I've heard this from a lot of people. I think that uh, the gentleman's intentions is pretty good uh, in general. I don't think that he's an active deceiver. Um, what I do kind of think that, that I get from it is that he may be atheistic. I, I'm speaking to, uh, I'm speaking in uh, reference to Paul Joseph, and uh, he does understand astrotheology. I don't think his breakdown of it was, it, it was, it was good, but I don't think it was as extensive as it could have been. But um, um, I think there is a danger if. We're, we were going to try to come out with a resource-based economy if we did it in a controlled way. If it was done in a, a truly egalitarian way, I'm all for it. If it's done in a controlled way, that's called communism, okay? And I'm completely against that because that's total control. And, you know, we can't, I don't think we can get into the idea of we're going to forcibly confiscate whatever wealth we want from whoever we want to take it from and redistribute it as we see fit. I, I don't think that can ever be done by force. I think that needs to be done because of an elevation in consciousness and recognizing that we're all on this planet together and we're all in the same boat together. And as one suffers, all suffer. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think his um, work with the Venus Project, I think they're pretty... Uh, aware people. They understand the problems of the monetary system. My thing that I would have to look at is how their vision, uh, how the, the methods of implementing that vision, uh, how they would want to go about doing that before I would comment on whether their, uh, you know, their intent would end up uh, for the better or whether it would end up badly. So uh, I would want to see personally more uh, specifics of the implementation of something like a resource-based economy. Uh, again, if that was done through some form of control, then yes, I would say that would be like a cul-de-sac before the gold mine, so to speak. If it was done from a place of consciousness and awareness, wonderful. I think that's where we need to go. So uh, does that answer your question as to uh, my take on, on, on Zeitgeist? 
Indeed it does, and, and thank you for expanding on it, Mark. And, and Mark, uh, I'm sure all of us uh, with me, we wish you a speedy recovery from these uh, these wintertime sniffles, my friend. No but, problem, but Bob. The last point, uh, thank you, Mark, for taking my call again. And the last thing, uh, um, I'll, I'll skip around real quick. Um, isn't it interesting? Maybe sometime you could do a show, Mark. I know I, I'm desperate to pick your brain, and I, I apologize for putting it out there so bluntly. Um, there's not enough uh, hours in the show to, to sit and ask you questions about what you know, Mark. And please continue to share that. Uh, quickly, uh, uh, isn't it interesting? Maybe you could do a show about Star Wars and all the tie-in. Because, of course, Jordan Maxwell does a great job tying in his Star Wars take. But I bet yes. In your perspective, have seen wonderful uh, tie-ins with Star Wars. I mean, just in the face of it, uh, the two sons of Kathleen mirroring the two sons of Freemasonry. Uh, of course, the son, which is present amongst us, uh, but by the son to the father, so to speak, uh, in, in the green way, in green language of it, or not the green language, but yet exoteric, esoteric of it. And also, uh, the last piece, Mark, uh, so consider that, Mark, if you would treat us to a Star Wars uh, rendition of, of what on earth is happening. I would also, love it. Mark, if you could I would love it. I would love to do that, Bob. Great. Yeah. I, I was obsessed with Star Wars when I was young. I mean, I mean, it was, I was so into it. Uh, I, I watched the movies constantly. I, I collected the figures when I was young, all of it. I was into all of that. So now from, from, you know, my perspective of kind of understanding the symbology and the allegory that, that Star Wars was, I could definitely do a full presentation on that. I, I would love to do that one day on the show, for sure. That would be wonderful. I mean, just in the symbolism when you were speaking, I see the, the symbols on the helmets of the rebel soldiers and also the troopers, uh, the ones that drove vehicles were the symbol of the stormtroopers. And the stormtroopers have the classic hexagram, the six-pointed star within a circle, digital, but a hexagram nonetheless. Yes. Uh, the uh, the rebel soldiers, uh, from what I'm gathering, I, I can't verify it, but some uh, one wrote that it was the Mayan uh, something to do with ancient Mayan culture on the stonework with this strange uh, sword de leaf style rising phoenix uh, stylized on the rebel soldier. It, it meant something to the Mayan. Uh, um, I'm not sure if you've heard that. Yes, well, you, you do know that uh, where they filmed uh, the rebel base of the first movie, um, where they actually planned the attack of the Death Star, that was Tikal in, in uh, Mexico, uh, a Mayan uh, ceremonial center, Tikal, T-I-K-A-L. That's where they actually uh, set the rebel base in the filming of the movie. That's right. You're, that's that's correct. It, it was the rebel base in the first 1977 Star Wars film near the near the climax of it, right before the climax to the film, the Death Star. I think it's kind um, of synchro mystic. The, the last, you know? oh, kind, so kind of synchro mystic. And I, I, yes. Go ahead, Bob. I hope I hope you do treat us to a Star Wars show, Mark. That would be wonderful. Definitely. Uh, you know, I, I'm planning a lecture in the area on uh, the film The Wizard of Oz. I don't have a date set for it as well, but I have a presentation that I'm going to break down all of the occult uh, symbolism within that movie as well. I think that will be very popular, and I think a, mo uh, a presentation on the symbology and allegory of Star Wars would also be wildly popular. These are cultural... Absolutely, it would. 
these are cultural icons. You know, the, these things have become synonymous with uh, just uh, the 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 overwhelming, uh, deeply held uh, cultural myths in the Western Hemisphere. These movies like this, and, um, and people know intuitively that there's something much deeper to them at a subconscious level. But to bring that up forward to a conscious level, I think so many people could benefit from that understanding of these brilliant spiritual allegories. And uh, that, that is, in fact, what they are. And uh, their, their creators, the creators of these stories, uh, are playing off of much older archetypes and much older uh, traditions. And I would... I would go so far as to say that they're probably much more aware than they will ever admit to in the public, in the public eye. Yes. Yes. Um, to say that Lucas has a cursory understanding of, of the, the mysteries is, is wildly uh, understating what his knowledge base was back in 1977 when he put Star Wars together. Yes. Well, I will definitely take that under advisement, and maybe I'll build a uh, a presentation uh, on on the symbology of Star Wars and uh, tie that all together with some of the concepts that I talk about. I do have one one or two slides in my presentation uh, when it comes to the concept of uh, uh, basically uh, burying the true self, killing the true self. You know, uh, I talk about that in my presentation when, you know, if you look at all the villains in Star Wars, um, uh, this is very interesting, just looking at it very briefly, all of the villains have given up their true self. Their true selves are dead, and they become like clones, or they become uh, completely devoid of their own uniqueness and individuality. So, like, the lowest level of this is, like, the Stormtrooper. You know, they all look exactly alike. They're clones. They're, they're, they're robots, actually. They're like robots. That's how they're dressed. Even though there's a physical body underneath, the, the actual outside has become, is identical to every other one. We don't learn until the, uh, uh, I believe, second uh, of the new series, episode two, that, um, that every one of these uh, stormtroopers are, in fact, clones, they are all clones of the same being, Django Fett, which is Boba Fett's father in, in the story. Okay, They're clo It's a clone army that became the stormtroopers. So they all are exact duplicates, dupes in other words. They've been duped. Okay, This is a green language pun. Dupe is a duplicate. And, and in order to become a duplicate, you would had to have been duped were really, you know, kind of fooled. This represents that they are the fools in the whole story because they're doing the work of the dark force and in doing so, completely giving up any chance at any individual uh, uh, aspect of their personality and soul, in other words. Uh, above them, you have the, uh, uh, the uniformed uh, officers, you know, that like kind of run the Death Star and, you know, or their admirals, etc. And these guys might give orders to these stormtroopers who are the, the lowest in the totem pole, but they are all kind of identical. And Vader, uh, who basically is their overlord and master, you know, he kills them when, it, when he see, sees fit to do so and they don't serve him. 
anymore to his liking. And they're all just puppets and have given up their uniqueness and their free will over to Vader, who controls all of these forces. Then you have Vader himself. He used to be Anakin Skywalker. He gave up his or killed his true identity as Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. Okay, so he his true self died and he became a dark alter ego. And is he in charge? No, because he has a master who he kneels and bows down to like a slave. You know, that's the emperor. And if you look at him, he also gave up his own self, uh, you know, completely uh, buried his, his himself. He was Palpatine. And he, he became scarred and disfigured and this, you know, crumbled old man, you know. Uh, and uh, you would think, okay, that's it. He's the top of the, uh, the food chain. And, and you could say, okay, at least in the physical sense he may be. But what is he really a puppet of? He's a puppet and a slave also because he's given up his true self which is consciousness, and he is a slave to fear, which is the, uh, the dark side of the force, and what that force actually is, is fear. So, you know, I talk about that in the presentation, and uh, that, that pyramid, that really illustrates the hierarchical nature of any control-based institution. You could put the, the soldiers of the military in there, right up the chain of command. You could put the police forces in there, right up the chain of command. You could put religious figures in there, right up their chain of command, etc. Bankers, you know, doesn't make a difference. It, it, the same thing represents the, the hierarchical nature and compartmentalization of any control-based institution. And it's right there in the allegory called Star Wars. You could, you could see that same thing in, in a lot of other allegorical movies. But, yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, I, can, I can do a presentation on that and illustrate it with slides and uh, I could definitely do that one day on the air, for sure. We would appreciate it, Mark. Uh, that would be a wonderful show. Um, also, uh, to switch gears really quick, and I'll let you uh, the Wizard of Oz presentation. Yes. You could also record or just, just share it with us, retell it to us. It would be wonderful. Sure. Um, to comment on that or a question, a qu uh, uh, I won't your thunder so I won't tell them but won't the audience be shocked when they find out who the Wizard of Oz is and uh, also won't they be shocked when it ties in to the whole Kennedy assassination the Ruby slippers Oz is the city Oswald <laughs> right. Jack Ruby the killing of the king yes Camelot yes um, it's it, I, Mark I am desperate to know your knowledge on this so if I could just ask one major question sure Mark, uh, the killing of Kennedy is, as you already know, a greening ritual. Sure. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll define the quick ones. It was on the 33rd parallel of the, of the globe. I'm sorry, the 33rd degree. Right. But it was also the site of Dallas was the site of the original lodge in Texas. And Dealey Plaza, Plaza, where he was assassinated, is in the shape of a pyramid missing its capstone. Aha. Uh -huh. And so uh, my question to you, what other tie-ins do you see such as that? And um, what was the end? What, what were they trying to achieve? I know, I know that it's part of the alchemical, the dark alchemy yes. uh, process, or, or maybe it's a light alchemy. There's, there's the, no, it's, the, it's the dark. The, the killing of the king, the killing of the king is definitely dark uh, occultism 
at work in a ritualistic sense. Kennedy was represent, representing, he was coming online. He was becoming enlightened as to the power structure of the world, decided not to cooperate with it, and that's why they needed to do away with him. He did a lot of bad things in his day. He was no saint. However, he was getting ready to expose the underpinnings of the worldwide conspiratorial uh, and occult aspects in a big way that would have turned a lot of people online to this. They knew they had to put that down, and so they enacted the, quote, killing of the king, as you said, at Dealey Plaza in Dallas. Uh, uh, you see, th this, is, this is the ritual murder of Osiris, and this connects beautifully to the topic that we're talking about tonight, although we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Osiris is a sun god of ancient Egypt. He is killed by the dark aspect of the sun, Set. Okay? So Osiris represents the, the, the positive power of the sun. Okay? Where the king aspect, again, sovereignty, the sun within, okay? the, 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 the kingship of the self, rulership of one's own house, as we talked about last week in the natural law presentation. But Osiris is murdered by the dark force of fear. He is broken apart. This represents the self in the state of confusion. Okay? And he has to reassemble himself or come to know himself through the process of seeking and reintegration, becoming whole again. The, the, the being or the god, god who helps him is Isis, the goddess. This is the feminine principle that needs to be present to unite the masculine aspect, which is our right action in the world. And I hear the music. Stay on the line with me, Bob. This is great stuff. Um, we can continue it after the, uh, the break. We'll be right back on what on earth is happening. In a world where corrupt governments and lawmakers have seized control of the population, trouble to your enemy, there's amongst us a burden of humanity left on our shoulders. The only way out is to expose the global crime syndicate known as the New World Order. Together, we are one. Together, we are Intel soldiers. The battle for free humanity ensues. Join us in the fight. The Intel Club.com. They are and always have been Luciferian and internationalists. Did you ever wish that you could have done something while you still have the chance? What will you do if your income ends tomorrow? Or do you lose your home as many already have? Do you have enough money to survive through an economic depression? If you don't want to gamble with your future, then FreeToProsper.com can help you quickly end your debt problems, protect your property and possessions, and develop a personal strategy to get you through the hard times. Most importantly, you get to keep your money and not pay another cent to creditors. 
Our program is often superior to bankruptcy, consolidation, or settlement. Visit FreeToProsper.com to find out more. This is your real chance to act ahead, so don't delay. Your future may depend on it. Call 718-615-0123 to learn more. That's 718-615-0123. Or visit FreeToProsper.com today. All right, we're back on whatonearthishappening.com. Uh, I have on the line Bob from Cincinnati, and uh, we were talking about this uh, ritual murdering of the king. And I'll tell you what, this comes up over and over again, synchromistically, and I'll just, uh, since you brought it up, and I, I, I appreciate that you did, this is not a uh, diversion in any way. Again, we may be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I'll go back over it and, um, you know, uh, cover, cover our tracks. But, um, and again, that's what this show is all about. Never, never feel like uh, that you're taking too much time or stealing anybody's thunder. Throw ideas out there. You know, that's what this show is for. And uh, we can, we can break this down because if you look at uh, the synchro mysticism, and again, what this means is that words and symbols are connected through events that actually take place in the world and the universe is actually kind of structuring and ordering this information in order to teach us a lesson, if only we are conscious enough to receive the lesson. Uh, this is really, really incredible if you really study it and you look into what synchromysticism is. And um, it opens up the mind in ways that are just absolutely unbelievable. That's all I can say. I highly encourage people to look into the concept. Uh, what it is known as in the modern world is synchromysticism. Okay? So these are very esoteric pieces of information that are streaming into consciousness through seemingly mundane events. But again, a lot of times these are connected with the creative process. At least I notice that they are. They come in in movies. They come in in books, things like that. Um, and that is, I, I feel, because the right side of the brain is so actively engaged during the creative process. So much uh, sacred feminine creative energy needs to be put into play when you're making a very big creative work. That's why uh, movies seem to be uh, how synchro mysticism uh, puts its message out there into, into our culture, at least, in the biggest way. But uh, to go back to this concept of the killing of the king, how many kings have we seen murdered or die under suspicious circumstances or built up to be big, huge icons and then cut down in their uh, prime or while they were still essentially young? Um, look at Martin Luther King. Okay? Kennedy okay, was at Camelot, okay, associated with the Kennedys, okay? He was, that, that's, that resonates with King Arthur of the Round Table, okay? He is associated with the sun, a symbol of the sun, okay? In the Arthurian tradition, he is the light bringer, okay? 
He is a, 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 um, a, a vehicle for enlightenment. Kennedy associates with him. They are killing this principle, this true light principle, because he was going to bring knowledge of the inner workings of the, the elites to the masses of people. They needed to stop him. He was also going to print interest-free money, and that's their vehicle of control, so they needed to put that down. Okay? Martin Luther King, agent for peace, okay? he was assassinated. His name was King, okay? Look at, look at Elvis Presley. He was called the King, okay? Died, you know, it, after being built up to a tremendous, tremendous uh, height of popularity in the media through music, uh, the King of Rock and Roll. Look at Michael Jackson, uh, who people think may have been murdered, not just uh, died from some overdose, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that uh, this may have been some form of silencing him because look at some of what his more recent music has been about, talking about the elites and how they don't give a damn about the people of the earth, okay? The song, They Don't Care About You, etc. He is the king of pop. Uh, over and over again, you can see this theme coming through. And there's other examples that, that could be given. But the, the ritual killing of the king, this is something that you see over and over again. And this is a putting to death of the light, because that is what the dark force always wants to do. It doesn't want the true light of consciousness coming into our lives and into our minds and into our hearts and our souls, it wants us in darkness. So the, the, the murderers represent the set force, S-E-T. This is the dark aspect of the sun, the sun in his setting principle, the light going out from the world, okay? And set was the Egyptian god who murdered Osiris and Isis, the goddess principle, which represents care, which represents concern for other beings, which represents truth and justice, needed to help to reassemble, to get in touch with those principles. So you now we're touching on some of the esoteric as opposed to just the exoteric. See, she helped to reintegrate Osiris, but sadly she could not find the last piece of him, which was the, fa the phallus. Okay? This represents the Final aspect of the male principle of courage being put into place because she ties a reed in place of the phallus, kind of substituting the true principle of courage and, and activating the male principle of action. And sadly, that is why the human race is still in this condition of not uh, being activated enough to change the dynamic on a mass scale or what is called reaching critical mass critical mass of taking the right actions in the world to really upset the balance of power and break out of our chains so that's what this the story is all about the ritual murder of the king is always about the killing of the positive side of the sun which is the horus 
principle, Horus being the child of Osiris, okay, who, who needs to rise so that he can avenge the death of his father, Osiris, by killing, conquering Set, the, the angel of darkness, okay, the god of darkness, and they do battle in the underworld, okay, and then Horus conquers Set and rises on the horizon to rejuvenate or save the world. And we're going to talk about this as we go forward in astrotheology. But, but Bob, if you're still on the line, does that kind of uh, allude to um, and, and kind of get into what you were talking about when you talked about Kennedy's murder and uh, how it's connected with this ritual murder of the king? That was wonderful. Thank, thank you, Mark, for putting that out there. And, you know, ironically, two of your kings that you spoke of, uh, Elvis and Martin Luther, Jr. Uh, hail from the Osiris-like city of Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. I'm sorry, I neglected to mention that. That's absolutely right. The Egyptian capital of Memphis. Uh, we have the rights of Memphis in Freemasonry, and these aren't even uh, considered official um, rights or degrees of the... the they're not, it's not associated with the Scottish or York rights or... Um, what is considered uh, traditional Freemasonry in the modern world. These are considered uh, spurious degrees, or what are called uh, clandestine orders of, of Masonry. But the rites of Memphis and Mizraim, which are Egyptian Freemasonry, essentially. That is not, that is not to say that they are uh, all negative. Okay? I don't believe that they're all black. There's light and, and dark in all forms of esotericism, in all forms of mystical traditions. We have to, um, I think we need to get out of, I personally think that we need to get out of the idea that all forms of the occult, and I've said this many times on the show, are bad or evil. It is what we do with this knowledge that has been hidden. Do we bring it to the light of day? Do we expose it to the, to the, the, the light of the world? Good works are done in the light of day. We bring them out, we tell people what our intentions are, and then we act in accordance with those intentions for all to see, not hidden in secrecy, not veiled, okay? And if we're doing that, and we're doing that in, with, the, with the proper moral intentions in mind, those works will, will be brought to the surface and be done in the light of day. If, on the other hand, we have a control freak personality, if we have the intentions of trying to subvert other people's consciousness and put them under our, our control, we will take the knowledge that has been occulted in the ancient world and we'll pervert it, we'll twist it to our suiting, we'll use it as a weapon against people who we know don't have the same level of knowledge, and always, people who do that will always try to hide uh, uh, under the cover of darkness, because they don't want people to see what they're actually doing. That's what Ultimately, we need to do expose the people who are using this information for what they are, and uh, in the negative sense for what they are. And we need to take this information and make it not occult anymore. I've also said many times on this show, and will continue to say it: humanity is not really going to get out of the mess that we're in right now until the occult is no longer the occult. We need to un-occult this knowledge and information that has been hidden by these different mystery traditions. It is time for the unveiling. That is what the apocalypse means. It means the removal of the veil. 
It is time to take the veil away and uh, expose this knowledge and bring it to the light of day for everyone. We need to make it, we need to make the esoteric, the core tradition, the exoteric, so that the wider range of people have access to this deeper knowledge of information, which is ultimately the deeper knowledge of the self. That's what this is all ultimately about. And that, that, that's as you can see. We, we went past the exoteric, the cover story about the sun god, okay, being conquered by the dark aspect of the sun god. This is right action being conquered by egoic uh, desires and, and, and dark thoughts and div- divisive, uh, divide and conquer, etc. He, he divided him. He divided Osiris. Set conquers Osiris. He kills him, betrays him, kills him, and breaks him into pieces. This is oppositional consciousness. The one who can unite those pieces is the feminine principle, which is the principle of care. See, this is be, that's the beginning of understanding these traditions from an esoteric point of view, which means to go within. What is the symbol that's being spoken of in the external sense? What does that mean in the internal sense? What does it mean inside of you? Because that's all these things are. These are just symbols and words, and, and they're being attributed to people and things that are seemingly outside of the self, but these are all within ourselves and our own consciousness. So, Bob, I, I want to thank you for bringing up that, and uh, it led into a great, um, uh, a great uh, tangent there, and I think uh, we'll continue to pick this up next week as we go into the astrotheological solar cult more in depth. I didn't really get a chance to do that this week, but I'm going to take my time on this topic. And uh, we're going to go into it and explore it in depth and break it down over many weeks. I always love it when you call in, Bob. Thanks so much. And uh, call in any time, man. Thank you, guys. And thank you for being a builder with the light, Mark. Good night, gentlemen. Take care, man. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of What on Earth is Happening, folks. We've got about a minute left in the show. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you're in the Philadelphia area and you're hearing this podcast, please do come out this Saturday evening at um, Liberties on 2nd and Fairmount at 8 p.m. for the Free Your Mind fundraiser number two. We need the support, folks. The conference isn't going to happen without your support. That's all for tonight. I'm Mark Passio. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'll see you here same time next Tuesday evening, folks. Thank you and good night. Well, it's a $275 charge, and it gets an Iraq war. Yes, ma'am, that is correct. The Iraq war cost the average American family over $16,000 since the war started. Are you kidding? Well, I never signed up for that. I'm sorry, ma'am. You know, I'm sorry. Tell me how to do it, Joe. I have to go on so far.